0: Back with another episode of the Middlemen. We've had a little bit of a break because coursework's been crazy and the season's coming to an end. Fixtures uh, are thick and fast. But look, fans are back in grounds from today. It's Monday the 17th today. So fans are back in football stadiums. Uh, that is just the perfect way to kick off this podcast. It's going to be amazing to have the heart and soul back in a stadium.
1: I'll tell you what, hey, I know you're not going to speak highly of that FA Cup final. <laughs> uh, obviously because the way it turned out being a Chelsea fan but the one amazing thing to see was the fans in there man how long has it been I felt like he was like watching a whole different sport with him in because we haven't had it for so long and it, it felt so I almost forgot what it was like to see him I know like sometimes if you look back on old football clips you see the fans but like a live atmosphere we haven't had it in ages and it's so good to have it back
0: yeah I was ready to turn the crowd noise off, crowd noise off then realise that it wasn't like the fake crowd noise. It was the real version and it was it, goosebumps. <laughs> and, uh, to be fair to Leicester and, you know, we'll, we'll we'll start with the FA Cup final now. And To be fair to Leicester, credit to them, their first ever uh, FA Cup. To Brendan Rogers. congratulations. Obviously, he's got links to both my club and yours, Max, managed Liverpool's assistant to Chelsea uh, and Les- Leicester have completed the domestic set. They've won their first ever FA Cup. It was an outstanding goal to clinch it and, For Chelsea, we'll get there again. For Leicester, their owners obviously with uh, that terrible tragedy the fans, it's a really special moment and driving down to London because I was covering another game all the way through, uh, going through Leicester on the M1 over the bridges, you could see the Leicester flags I did my little honking the horn on the way down, which I think uh, other drivers were, well they were looking at me uh, with disgust, but you know what it's it's a real occasion and uh, I'm happy for Leicester and you know, I touched on Brendan Rogers there, Max, and I give my take as a Chelsea fan, but he's done so much in football and he's gone from managing Watford, managing Swansea to winning the FA Cup. I mean, it's not bad, is it? The first Scottish, the first manager to win a Scottish Cup and an FA Cup.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, especially with... It's kind of questionable what he did at Liverpool, but now, like, in, in these years with Leicester, obviously now it's been known, like, how how good of a manager Brendan Rodgers is. Like, that that man is brilliant. And I remember watching, um, obviously, uh, when I watched the game, you could see after in the celebrations, like, how much it meant he was hugging the chairman, you know, uh, hugging the owner. Obviously, we, you spoke about it, how tight their relationship is. And, um, yeah, Rodgers, he, he's their friend. And, you know, that, that um, award, that accomplishment that he's achieved there, was it the Scottish Cup and the, the FA Cup? You can see what it meant to him. To um, I guess that wasn't probably the first thing on his mind I've won this because you know he's a guy who always cares for his team and, and puts them first and that's why he gets to where he gets to but I bet it'd be nice to uh, sit back and, and, and see that award next to his name as well
0: Are you happy for him as, as a Liverpool fan and do you, do you think looking back he was I mean it literally was a slip wasn't
1: it Yeah 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 for sure I mean I, I, I say questionable I say he had a questionable time at Liverpool you know what he didn't he like he set up not a, not a great team for Klopp to come into, but, you know, he instilled, after having managers like Hodgson, and, you know, it was obviously a torrid, torrid time for the club. He came in and, and, and he did his bit and, and made it that bit better and obviously challenged. am <laughs> not going to speak too much about that season, but challenged <laughs> for the title. And um yeah, no, he did good things at, uh, at our club. So it's nice to see him actually achieve somewhere else as well. You know, I've got, um, as someone, because he's managed the club, like I got love and appreciation for him as well because um, he. I, I could see how good of a manager he was back then. And he's only just evolved with Leicester. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's fantastic that he, he did win it.
0: Yeah, we won't touch on Denver Bar slip. Uh, because I know that that might upset me a little <laughs> bit, uh, but uh,
1: back to <laughs> you'll be all over that as <laughs> well.
0: I, I needed to slip it in there, um, but look back to Brendan Rogers. Um, I, I think actually that FA Cup win kind of ensures now that he stays in that top bracket of manager. I think there was a risk, and maybe this is just my opinion, but there was a risk risk that if he didn't win that, and perhaps if they drop out of the Champions League places, which I mean, with with Liverpool now knocking on the door of those spots, uh, could potentially happen. I think that's uh, secured his place. Uh, if a club, I'd say a bigger club. I don't think Tottenham are a bigger club than Leicester, but if a bigger club were uh, to need a new manager, maybe you know we don't know what's happening with Arsenal at the moment. It looks like they're backing Arteta, but you know what I mean. I think that's kept him in that in that link, you know, talk in those talking points now. Um, but as for the game itself, for those of you listening who who don't know me, I'm usually a very relaxed and reserved football fan. But I I was seething at that performance from both Chelsea and VAR. Um, And we'll we'll start with VAR because it's a more, it's a very wide talking point and everyone can jump in on it. I I just think it's let itself down once again. And there's this element of common sense that needs to be brought into it, which I think they have in Germany and they don't have it over here. I mean, he literally was millimetres offside uh, Ben Chilwell and uh, the goal was not given it ruins an FA Cup final I think it destroys football and I was seething and look he was offside because VAR showed that he was offside but I just kind of wish we could go back to back to the days where that would have been given as a goal and that would have gone to extra time that game
1: yeah I mean we spoke about fans being in the stadium like imagine having to after not seeing watching your team for ages, going to that match and then having your your goal or your equaliser overturned in a final, watching that, it must be so hard, bro. So, you know, and, and last year, when we talk about VAR, I say last year I, I was quite on board with it, but this year's just ruined it for me and I see it all the time now. It's horrible. And I said, yeah, it's because it calls it right, but it's, it's it doesn't always call it right now and that's what I've learned and like, uh, especially experiencing it this season, the lack of consistency is the main thing for me. And it, I, I was saying, like, obviously, I watched the um, final with my housemate and, and he's a big Chelsea fan, as you all know. Uh, and I, I, just, I just, I pitied him so hard because it's like, imagine like being in that cup final, having VAR or a goal, it, it'd be horrible. Um, and i i say, I've been through my own pain with VAR this season, with uh, Liverpool especially, you know, they had a bit of a, a hateful relationship with it at the start of the season but i don't really chat to any football fan nowadays that is on board with it to be honest like some people say it's necessary but no one's like a fan of it so they need to make some serious improvements or get out of the game though
0: well that, that's my view as well and i put it on instagram and i did a poll you know scrap it or keep it and if i said to you now max the power's in your hands you can scrap or you can keep it personally i'd scrap it what would you do
1: yeah, that's that's I, I would too, mate. I would fully get that gone unless it, it almost completely changes itself by next season. It needs as I said, it needs to make some serious, serious improvements because it's not good it's not healthy for the game. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't sound like this. It's, it's a bit of a cliche in it. It sounds a bit cliche, but like it's it's not good isn't it's not good for the game. Uh and now especially with fans coming back into the stadium. They they they're gonna want to enjoy good games of football, not games where their like team gets shafted by some dodgy, inconsistent ruling decision. Like I, I think, you know, yeah, I'm I'm coming to my end of my patience with it for sure.
0: Yeah, so am I. And uh, I think it's the people behind VAR, and that's where the problem lies. The technology works because we've seen it in other leagues, uh, but only in this country do we have the problems that we do. Um, speaking of people making wrong decisions, bad decisions, I think. As much, pre- I, I've thrown a lot of praise at Thomas Tuchel this season since he took over from Frank Lampard. I've, uh, I've been a massive fan. Uh, this is the first time where I've, I've doubted him a little bit. I think to drop Kai Havertz in an FA Cup final was madness. Um, he's the man. As that false nine, you get goals out of him every game. Uh, and he, he was just starting to find his feet and to leave him out of a Cup final, not only for his confidence, but for Chelsea's, uh, you know, for Chelsea trying to win that game. It surprised me, uh, also surprised me that Olivier Giroud didn't start. Chelsea have one man in their ranks that knows how to win an FA Cup. It's Olivier Giroud. He didn't start. Uh, and then VAR, you know, we can go go on about that forever. But uh, look, I think Tuchel, I know some people are quite angry as well about uh, Kepa starting in goal ahead of Mendy. Mendy having the season he's had so far. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and try and say that uh, Leicester didn't deserve to win that game because they were probably the better team on the day. But I was surprised in Chelsea's decision making. I've got to say, though, Casper Schmeichel's save equal, is equal to me uh, to Yuri Tillemans' goal. I think when he kept out Mason Mount, it just showed that he is an outstanding goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, that was, I'll tell you what, you know, Mason Mount, he's. Obviously, he's class. You know, I don't. I don't need to big him up. Like everybody knows how good that that boy is. He's a serious baller, and he's gonna take England far, far in the Euros this summer. Promise me. Uh, I promise you. But, um, yeah. So, so you know, he's got a good shot on him. He's got a good finish on him. That Schmeichel save was, un- mate, I can't believe oh. what I saw. I was like, he's actually got down and, and palmed that away as well. Like it was, it was, a, it was a hard shot, and he made sure he like got it out of there. It is crazy. It was a, such a good save, um, and. This is this is a problem. I think one, um, not a problem that football has, but it's something that happens in football, right? Is that we always talk about the goal. Obviously, yeah. we need to talk about the goal. It's what won the game? It is a it was a class finish from Yuri Tillman. But we need to like people. People forget about the saves as well, though, because that, as you said, it was as good as the goal. I literally kept them in it because and I, I feel like any other keeper on any other day, I've probably won won uh, all right there. So yeah, and and that that's what I. I mean, with Chelsea as well. Sorry to cut you off, mate, but I feel like they—it is—it's kind of harsh to take the loss when you have a goal overturn and have a huge chance like that. That normally a, a shot like that is going in. So I—I I feel bad for you um having to lose in that manner.
0: It was so hard because you're right. Any other goalkeeper, and I wouldn't have wanted to see that down the other end. Cause I don't think Kepper would have been able to have made made that save. Um, and yeah. It, unbelievable shot stopping from Casper Schmeichel. We know where he gets it from and uh, to keep up Ben Chilwell as well, a few minutes earlier to knock it onto the post. Uh, I, I would argue that he was their man of the match. Yuri Tillemans had a fantastic game as well. And uh, I was listening to talk sport on the way back up to Derby from London, having been down there and um, they, they put out the question, are Leicester a better team than Chelsea? And that, that wound me up a little bit. I think... There's one thing jumping on the bandwagon, and, and there's another uh, insulting Chelsea. So just to address that point, no, uh, Leicester are a fantastic team. They've been, <laughs> they've been brilliant under Brendan Rodgers. Um, are they more hungry? Yeah, perhaps. But uh, Chelsea are in a Champions League final at the end of this month, and uh, no, absolutely not. I was I was also going to touch on Jamie Vardy, Max, the only player to have played in every round of the FA Cup. Uh, he's won it as well. He's won the the Premier League. He's played in the Champions League. From working in a factory, what was it ten years ago? What an end to a fairy tale! I think he should probably retire now. If I were Jamie Vardy, I think that's what I'd do.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it caps off a, a fantastic career. Uh, you know, won the league with Leicester. Uh, that was that was a fairy tale in itself. You know, if if he retired by then, given. Uh, the humble beginnings that he's come from. If he retired, then understand. I'd understand. I'd think that'd be fantastic. I'd say I'd you know I'd applause him then. So to go on and, and win another trophy, and stick by his seed, uh, stick by his team. Listen, he hasn't had the the best season, has he? Uh, this season, I'm not going to lie. Last season he was he was on fire. You know he he was brilliant, um, but you know he's kind of fallen off a little bit. So to to stay, I'm not not suggesting that he, he would. Uh, consider leaving Leicester, but you know he, he stuck through it, even t- through his bad form, and, and kept at it, and 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 he's got a, a trophy um as a reward for that, and he fully deserves it. You know, Uh I, I really, I, I rate Jamie Vardy. How can you not love him, man? Like as we said, the fairy tale story is 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 brilliant uh, for him, and and you just you just gotta like the, those type of guys. He, he, he's not like you know, there's no gimmicks with him. He's just straight up, you know. Uh, and it was also fair play to him. Like, you, you can't not like that man.
0: Yeah, an unbelievable story. And uh, I remember Jeff Peters, uh, the Leicester pundit, came in to talk to us uh, last season, just spoke so highly of Jamie Vardy. I think uh, there were one or two doubters in the room. You cannot doubt uh, that man. You really can't. Uh, and. Max is laughing I know why he's laughing if any of the sports journos are listening to this uh, at the University of Derby on our course then they'll understand that uh, little inference there Um, but before we move on to Champions League football I wanted to ask you Max because I've always wondered this and if I were a manager would I wear a suit or a track suit? Now Thomas Tuchel got a lot of stick Um, a a friend of ours Adi Oladipo uh, said it was a disgrace um, that Tuchel wore a tracksuit and not a suit for the FA Cup final. And whilst I agree with him, I don't think it was disgraceful. Uh, but my view is that for an FA Cup final, you should be wearing a suit. So, would you, as a manager, wear a suit, Max? And for the FA Cup final, surely you have to.
1: To be honest, right, you're asking a guy who uh, wears a whole lot of tracksuits. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in in the context of the situation, as the big occasion as it is. Yeah, I I can see what you mean. I didn't really, I didn't actually uh, think about it to be honest. I just thought like, uh, albeit a big, uh, a football game of high significance. I just thought, you know, managers have their own uh, preferable attires, don't they? So I I can get, I can get behind a tracksuit because although it is a FA Cup final, I think uh, it's still a football game at the end of the day, and and managers are are free to wear what they want. Uh, You know, that's they're stood up or sat down on the touchline for. an hour and a half, so whatever, whatever they're comfy, and I say, But thinking about it, like with press conferences and that, you know, for things like that, I, if if I was a manager, I, I'd tend to um, dress up for it, so I can kind of I can kind of see both arguments to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Emma Hayes looked great on the touchline of the Champions League final, and I think that that's a really nice a link from the men's team to the women's, and uh, they were battered. Uh, Last night, we are recording on the Monday, so they played in the Champions League final against Barcelona, the Chelsea women, uh, on Sunday night. They lost 4-0 to Barcelona in Sweden, I believe it was. Uh, I watched the game, four goals in the opening half, a goal down within 30 seconds. Listen, it's an incredible achievement by Emma Hayes and the girls to get there. Um, To lose in that manner, I think, was slightly embarrassing, but Barcelona are, I'd say, the best women's team in world football and... uh, the other good thing about that game was the attention it got. And it's great to see uh, the numbers that have come out of all of the people that watched that final.
1: Yeah, definitely. The more publicity to women's football, the better. Um, because, you know, although the, the quality of Chelsea's football uh, last night may not have been top tier, there is um, top tier, you know, there is quality football um, in in the game. So it's great to to have more eyes to it. Um and yeah, you you see like matches like these come do break through in the mainstream. I remember, like a, a, another high publicity uh, women's football game that comes to mind is the World Cup final with was it America and uh, Germany, would not it USA and Germany? Um that 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 springs to mind as well. And it's great that um, you know those matches that promise such um, such significance and and such quality get. Uh, you know get the eyes they deserve probably deserve even even more uh, attention to be honest but it's nice to hear them break through here um people talking about it as you know something as a, uh, I say as a game like obviously it's football's the game any anyway whatever the gender but you know as as women's football as itself trying to rise up um, and I, I guess make its best attempt of equaling men's football it's, it, I think it'll be a very long time before that happens but you know doing this kind of movement
0: yeah, well, I, I tell you what, Matt Beard has just got the Liverpool job, the, the Liverpool ladies job. And uh, let, let's talk about your team. I'm sure Matt will do a really good job. He's he's a great manager. Got West Ham uh, ladies to an FA Cup final. And I agree with you. It's great to see uh, so many uh, people watching women's football, not just women watching women's football, but uh, men and women enjoying uh, that side of the beautiful game. And uh, on to your team now, Max Liverpool. And what a week it's been for you. You played, you finally play Manchester United at Old Trafford. You beat them because uh, they've had to play a, a slightly weakened team. Uh, you beat them 4-2. Then Saudi Mane kicks up a fuss and refuses uh, to shake uh, Jurgen Klopp's hand, give him a hug at the end of the game. Then you somehow beat West Brom through Allison's uh, just unbelievable header. It's just, it was a strikers-esque finish and, uh, from a goalkeeper as well. What a week it has been for your team.
1: Mate, after... How many episodes have I sat on here, be miserable and sarcastic about my team because we've had yet another grueling week, and now I can have something like this? Literally, guys, if you're li- like whoever's listening, you don't realise how good this week has been. And so It's been like a weight off my shoulders because I've had to go through some poor, poor performances and comb over the details of some bad, bad matches on this podcast. But finally, we get a good week. Ah, oh, it's, it's better than good. It was, it was brilliant. It was so good to be a Liverpool fan this week. Finally, Um you know the the United result was unreal, and and you say you called it a, a slightly weakened United team. Did you think?
0: Well, do you think that's harsh? I...
1: In my opinion, you can call it biased if you want, but <laughs> the way I see it, they set out. If you look at their lineup against Leicester, they set out a weak team against Leicester to rest the big boys to play against us. Literally, you know, and and they lost. Literally, lost to Leicester. I feel to get out a good team against us, and and we still done them. So in that. With with that, I feel like Oli and and the United bunch have no excuses, no excuses to say that there was there was a weakened team. But you know, through through the eyes of a neutral, I guess you you might have a clearer head on it and and might have um thought that that the team wasn't ac- actually uh, the best it could be.
0: Well, you know me, I like to play devil's advocate a little bit and uh, continuing to play devil's advocate. uh, I'm quite split on the Sadio Mane thing. And I wanted to, before we go on to Alisson and his heroics, I wanted to just ask you what you thought of what was, it blew up into this massive story. To be honest, I think from a journalistic point of view, I think the media made a really big deal out of something that doesn't need to be made a big deal out of. Quite literally at the end of the game, Sadio Mane, because he didn't start, because he was dropped, uh, didn't hug Jurgen Klopp. You look back at, I don't know how many games Klopp's been in charge, probably, I, I don't know, you're probably talking a couple of hundred, maybe more, I, I have no idea. But whatever it whatever it is, I can guarantee you Mane in 90% of those games has embraced Klopp at the end. So for me, it's not a big deal. What did you think of the whole story? And uh, do you think there's anything to it at all?
1: I'll tell you what, um, you know, I, I, I can see he heat, is heat the moment. If people are going to try and take this in question, Mane's future at Liverpool, like, they need to they need to drop that because that's definitely, like, a heat of the moment. It's definitely a heat of the moment thing, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you, whoever's played football, you're always annoyed you can't start. And you get you have your strop and then you come back. So, obviously, you know, I, I get it, like, short-term little rage. But, th- listen, this is one of the best players in the world we're talking about, Sadio Mane. Like... If he's not getting the game time he wants, he's obviously going to be upset about it, and, and that's okay. I'm I'm okay to accept that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say he shouldn't be getting annoyed. Like, if you're the top player, of course you want to be uh, playing. But the reality is, he hasn't been playing well, and yota has been our best player. Okay, here comes a uh, big podcast statement. Yotta's <laughs> been our best player this season.
0: As a statement, so, so
1: you know that with that um Mane and Marne without and Mane not scoring, yeah. Um he's gonna have to be on the bench whether whether he likes it or not because Jota comes through and, and he's amazing. I, I'm such a big fan of his. And obviously he got the goal as well uh, in that game. So the is it's understandable why Mane's dropped um but I also get his outrage as well.
0: Liverpool fans, drop into Max's Instagram. It's Max Taylor Sportsgram on Instagram. Drop him a message and let him know if you agree uh, with that statement there, that Yota has been Liverpool's best player this season. And um, with Mane, uh, I agree. I don't think anyone has a god given right to start. He, he is a world class footballer. Um, but oh, I've said it on several occasions before: if a manager needs to drop a player, then uh, they should do just that. And moving on to uh, the latest Liverpool result, and just an incredible one too. 1-0 down to West Brom. I was rubbing my hands together thinking, here we go again. Time to, uh, <laughs> time to make fun of Liverpool in front of Max and uh, have, a, have a cheeky few digs. All of a sudden, you get one back. Okay, 1-0, still not a great result. And Sam Allardyce uh, at the end is fuming because the Liverpool's goalkeeper, uh, one of only a handful in Premier League history to score, the only goalkeeper in Premier League history to score a header, the only Liverpool goalkeeper in their history to score. Just
1: unbelievable this is a this is what every player uh every person who plays fifa dreams (laughs) of in the 90th minute when they're when they're one all (laughs) that that is that is that is the stuff of dreams it fully is like it's unreal um how that happened you know the the team it was it was another it was another mediocre like as for the rest of the guys allison Really saved them there because it, it was a, it was a poor display. Mm-hmm. Apart from the Salah finish, like that goal was fantastic as well, and that's going to obviously get overshadowed by Alison's <laughs> goal. I can't believe I'm saying by Alison's goal. It's just mad Amazing. to me. But um, that that was a great finish to to equalise it. But then, yeah, no, I just feel like the team wasn't really going through the gears. So obviously, the big man had to take it into his own hands and uh, and 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 win us the game. I I can't believe it. It was a uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm how any fan would be when their keeper scores in a in a boring game. Like i was over the moon. And um, that is what like I'm not saying that's what we've been lacking. Like Alisson needs to get up there every time and score some headers. But the sense of going to to not the extreme, but Making that extra um effort to win a game. That is what we've been lacking, and it's what we were so good at last season, and that is why we won the title. Because sometimes we wouldn't play good games, but we'd be able to just pop up with a goal or just work some kind of magic, some temporary brief magic that's gonna win us the game. And um that's what that's what Allison did. That you know, Allison completely took that into his own hands. Um, he learned that from last season and he, he got us the three points and obviously challenging for the top four now, challenging your team. Uh, that's exactly the stuff we need.
0: Do you think you'll get top four? I mean, you're, how many, you're very close to it. I, I don't know the exact number of points, but you are close to the top four with with that win now. Do you think you'll get into the top four? And if you do, then who drops out?
1: Well, they you know Liverpool on making it easy uh, for me as a fan because you know after the Newcastle result, I said my top four hopes are, are dead now. Mm. Like there's there's no point, especially if we're going to play that way, we're going to turn out results against teams like that, and you know obviously not be able to get the three points. I, I feel like now nah, we were done, but obviously now we've like we've picked up six massive points, and and now now I'm just confused. I'm I'm not sure, no, I'm really conflicted to be honest. <laughs>
0: I think Leicester will drop out. I think it will finish City have won the title and by the way congratulations to them. Uh United, Chelsea, uh, and Liverpool. I think Leicester will drop out, not that that's particularly fair, but I think Liverpool will will just work look at the end of the day, you know, you were champions last season. Uh, I have no doubt at all that you'll finish in the Champions League if uh, you can put a run together from now between the end of the season, which I think you probably will. Uh, let's move on to boxing. Max's uh, other light, other love in his life. Uh, Josh Bruazzi, someone that Max and I have both met. Uh, he was a really nice guy when we, when we met him in Sheffield. Uh, knocked out Daniel Dos Santos with a brilliant right hand in the fourth round of their fight in Manchester on Saturday night. A vicious performance from Bruazio extends his uh, unbeaten record to 14 fights. It's a big uh, step now to go and challenge Inarta, better Beave, Dimitri or Joe Smith Jr. Uh, Definitely the light heavyweight's best knockout to date. And with veteran trainer Virgil Hunter in his corner too. Another British superstar, Max. What did you make of uh, only his second fight since August
1: 2019? Yeah, this... um... This 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 man's got loads of potential, to be honest. Like I remember, as you mentioned, uh, his, his second is only second fight since 2019. I watched his, uh, where he for him, and and his opponents. Obviously, you know he's he's still not fresh in his career, but he's going through the gears. Like you can't be throwing him like huge huge names yet. But these guys, I don't really know him, and um, that Kalich put up a good fight. Like I I didn't know what to expect. so I, I didn't know much from him. But he put up a really good fight and, and Bratsy, you know, managed to, to go through it and find a way to win then. And the the win this time, though, came a lot easier. And But it was it was just beautiful. It's, it's a textbook overhand right. You know, I really liked how he done it. He just, he, he, Bratsy seems like the guy, obviously, this is what you'll see with um, a lot of the Olympians. Because obviously, Bratsy, he won a silver bro, medal in the Olympics, bro. didn't he, I believe. Silver, bronze? Um, Not sure. Bronze. One, one of them he, he, he won a yeah he's a he's a bo- boxing uh Olympian nonetheless and um but what you see with these guys is you know the fundamentals they really master it and that's what that is what I do like about um pros who have, have a great amateur pedigree they're very fundamental they're very tight with it and that's that's how Watsy got a, a great knockout by the way like can we can we say how how unreal that knockout was i haven't seen a man go out like that for a while i think last time i saw someone switch off from a punch like that was um leo santa cruz versus Javante davis back in uh, halloween last year like like he was out from that punch but as i said you know his textbook stuff is great how he how does the basics just pop the leg and uh you know fainted in for him to drop the guard and just landed that overhand right clean so yeah, he, he's great. He's got um, he's got great potential. I think in a few years, those names you mentioned, he definitely could be up uh, fighting with them.
0: Yeah, like uh, Povetkin and White as well. That was when was that? That was end of last year. Uh, but that first fight as well with uh, White was just dropped, wasn't he? Um, but uh, Boatti, you mentioned the knock, the knockout. I mean, he also floored Dos Santos with a flurry in round two, and uh, you know, that right hand was enough to knock him out. Eventually, the Frenchman uh, in the fourth round. Look, he's he's an Olympic medalist, like you've said. What more? Does Boat actually need to do before he can fight for a world title now?
1: I would say, you know, well, he's, was that was that a European uh, title he picked up? Or was was that for any title? Because, you know, they've got the regionals now and they've all got the different type of uh, titles that you can win. But obviously before you, you get to the world level. Um, but I would say, yeah, no, a, f- a few more. Probably, you know, I think that knockout shows you've got to increase the competition a little bit in there. Um then it's, you know, saying that that Dos Santos guy, although he's relatively unknown, I didn't know much about him. His record was, um, he was undefeated. But I, I think he only had like one guy on his, uh, one guy that had a positive record that that he had beaten. So, um, you know, not that's not to hate on Bryce's performance. You know, he still went in there. He did his job. He, he did his job fantastically. But uh, those, I, I think, yeah, increasing the competition is probably a, a good start for him. Give him like three or four fights. See how he gets on in them. Uh, I think that's how you know. To be fair to Eddie Hearn, this is where I give him his credit as a good promoter. He he knows how to uh, breed his his competition through through the ranks. He levels them up nicely, and you know takes the risks. Sometimes You saw risks like uh, Josh Kelly versus David Avenisi, and that uh, Hearn promoted, and um, you know take take the big risks. But he, Hearn normally moves them along nicely, and I think. That's what he's doing with Boazzi too. And um, I think, yeah, no, a few years, a few more years, a a few more fights, probably like five fights, and then he can start going, uh, start facing the top competition of that weight division.
0: Yeah, I say it every week. It's just so amazing to see British boxing dominating the sport. Uh, And speaking of, Lerone Richards, uh, on the undercard of Boazzi dos Santos, uh, was... He was totally dominant. I thought as he captured the EBU European Super Middleweight title uh, again. Max, another British star. It's just it's so good. Uh, he beat Italy's Giovanni De Carolis by a unanimous decision in Manchester. Uh, he now wants Chris Eubank Jr. Though. Would you want to see that?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll tell you what. Yeah, because a, a lot of um, the more casual fans obviously going to know Chris Eubank Jr. The Jr. of of the, the legend, Chris Eubank. He's obviously a very high profile fighter, but I don't think he's much more than a British level fighter. And I think Richards is, as he's shown his performance there, he's, I think he's quite far past that. And he is somebody who could be up there um, fighting for for world titles sooner than a lot of people think as well. I think he's fine under the radar a bit. When you watch him fight, he's very good. Once again, he's, he's a very good technician. And uh, I see the work he's putting in on Instagram with David Caldwell and that. Um, he, he's a hard worker and, and he fights well. And yeah, I think, I think a, a fight with Chris uh, Eubank Jr. would be brilliant. And will actually, obviously, you know, that's, that's a big draw. That's a big name in the weight division. Um, I think we'll give uh, Rich as he needs a, a few more eyes on him to, for people to realise and appreciate actually how serious of a guy he is.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see that fight with Chris Eubank Jr. And uh, just a few quick well done's to uh, Dalton Smith as well. Uh, He won the BBFC English super lightweight title after stopping Lee Appleyard. So, really impressive uh, from him. Then, a a bit of an upset on Saturday night came in the form of Gamal Yafai, who failed to defend his EBU European super bantamweight title. He lost to the Iceman, Jason Cunningham. So, well done done to Jason Cunningham. Uh, Great win for him 115 to 110, 114 to 111, and 114 to 111 on points uh, to land the European super bantamweight title. Uh, Fighters you may know a bit more about if you're a casual boxing fan listening, uh, Billy Joe Saunders and Saul Canelo Alvarez. Let's uh, move on to that fight. And we haven't yet touched on it on the podcast, but it's still very much relevant. And uh, let's just start by saying, Max, what a fight it was. What a win for Saul Canelo Alvarez.
1: Yeah, receiving the uh, best, best bit of <laughs> boxing, the best boxing match, so last with this one, because it was a, it was a brilliant fight. And uh, yeah, I feel like this is what what happens to Brits when, when they fight Canelo. Obviously, there's one uh, British fighter of all the the British fighters that Canelo's fought. And he's fought a few now. I think he's fought like seven or eight of them. And um, they just always give some, well, uh, you know, some of them do like give their best effort, which uh, Billy Joe did. Um, but they just fail to come through. And that's because, as I said, this guy's unbeatable right now. He's unbeatable. You give him anyone in super middleweight, anyone out super middleweight or middleweight, and he's he's beating them, I feel. I feel like anyone he is, honestly. Everyone's human, but literally Canelo's uh, convincing me otherwise with the performance he's, he's <laughs> pulling out right now. Like It's just another flawless, felt like it was a punch-perfect fight from him. I mean, you know, he, he took a few, like Billy Joe uh, landed a few, and he, he looked all right in there. But um, I just always feel like it was never in doubt at the same time. Like, I feel like Billy Joe, yeah, he he won a couple rounds. Um, He he, he won a couple. A lot of people were saying that he was up on the scorecards. I can't can't agree with that. Mm. Um, If you look at who's doing the more effective punching, it was always Canelo. And I feel like, you know, if they didn't pull him out of that um, ninth round, which I'm glad they did. We've talked about orbital bones being broken on this podcast before with Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. It's it's important that you get your fire out of there when that's done because that's a career threatening injury as we heard. Like if they kept him in there a bit longer, that fight was going to get stopped. So Canelo was grinding through those gears and he was, um, I felt like he was really finding his stride in that n- ninth round. So I think it was a uh, be- better to get Billy Joe out of there sooner than later.
0: Yeah, that that was going to be my next point. The fight ended in the eighth round when uh, uh, Mark Tibbs and, and Co threw in the towel for uh, Billy Joe Saunders. And I, I remember after that Dubois fight, uh, when he was well, when he he kind of took the knee against Joyce, didn't he? He kind of just resigned on his own. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders gave him a bit of stick, uh, as did quite a, a few pundits or, or current boxers, and uh, they were saying that Dubois uh, should have carried on you know you kind of die in the ring that sort of thing uh, it, is it hypocritical that uh, you know billy joe saunas didn't didn't last that he, he had to kind of retire
1: um no mate honestly because i don't know how you can give a man with a broke like his eye his eyeball was in his cheek or something stupid like and people are trying to talk about keeping him in there like are you stupid like this isn't the 1940s where people do die in the ring and fight to the death like i can i can get behind the you know the ambition and the determination to go through anything in the ring you know that's that's a warrior's mentality and i fully respect it as i respect anyone who gets in the ring but listen this these injuries destroy careers you see it with Cal brooke like that man is that man was past his best when Golovkin rearranged his face he was, he was never the same so why you know Billy Joe as he, he's definitely because he can't beat Canelo he, he's definitely like still top three of the super middleweight so why would you? what is the point in wasting that career he's definitely got another a few more pay-per-views in him before you know before he retires he's, he's only what like 31 so what is the point in in wasting the career and like having him in there for six to nine more minutes where you're literally watching him get punched in the face, watching his career get punched away. It's, it's pointless. And uh, no, anytime I see a man with a broken orbital, I fully understand how, uh, whatever way, whatever time they come out of that. Uh,
0: and I should agree. I, I do agree with you fully. I mean, it, it's kind of like, I, I just play devil's advocate and you, you you throw things out there like Billy Joe Sauna's criticising uh, Dubois. But I, I do agree with you completely. Safety in, in boxing comes first. And that's why I'm so against uh, the YouTube boxing. And it's like um, Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew said this week and he touched on Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, which for me is the most ridiculous thing uh, I've ever heard of in my life because, you know, I'm not being I don't want to be I don't want to sound grumpy or I don't want to take anything away from the event. But Logan Paul going into that has to know that he's got a serious chance of some serious injuries. Uh, someone like Floyd Mayweather, and the only way I can describe it is if you've been playing football since you were three or four years old, it just comes naturally to you. Someone like Floyd Mayweather, regardless of size, regardless of the difference in height, will he will win that fight, and he could cause some serious damage to Logan Paul. So, completely agree with you. I think boxing uh, has to be has to be all about safety.
1: Bro, with this fight that's coming up that, that you mentioned, this this Mayweather fight, this isn't a game, and Floyd's proved that's that it. as well. I think a lot of people were expecting that they would say, "Oh, uh, you know, of, of course it is a cash grab, you know, the money to fight one of the best." But listen, it's not an easy job, it's, and and it won't be a fun job for him. It's going to be however many grueling rounds Mayweather wants to make it. <laughs> you know, this is his fight. Logan stepping into his playground. So, and and now I think I think he's learned that though. Floyd now with obviously the bust-up he had with Jake Paul, he's proved. You know it's, this ain't this ain't just for show this is real this is what happens to you you get punched in the face and, and your brother but you know even and i, and I like that gesture because it was a nice reminder to these people who are coming to boxing and thinking it's just a jolly good couple of rounds where people exchange punches this is for real and it happens outside of it and you know these guys are fighters you think floyd's just a uh, you think he's a poser you think you think he's just just a rich guy who uh, likes to flex his money this guy, this guy punches you up for a living. That's how he made his money. <laughs> so it's like, um, I, think, I think a nice reminder. And now I think it changes the complexion of the fight, the, the the pre-fight antics. People calling it WWE and people calling it for show. What? You think Jake Paul's face was for show? You, you know, he, he actually got punched. That boy got hit. So this is, is is more than what the concept of it, I think is showed that it's real and authentic and uh, it's, it's happening for real. And as you said, Logan is definitely vulnerable to, uh, to to some injuries in this fight.
0: Yeah, it winds me up beyond belief. And if I were in charge of boxing as a sport, which unfortunately I don't think I ever will be, but uh, if one day I were, then I'd ban YouTube boxing because uh, it's dangerous, it's utter stupidity. And uh, you, I hate to say it, and I, you know you hate to put this kind of downwards trajectory on it, but someone could die. Someone could very easily die. YouTube It's like you or I going up against Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in a five-a-side game, we would have no chance. And that's exactly what this is. You know, like you said, he's stepping into Floyd Mayweather's playground and uh, it's not going to end well for uh, Logan Paul. You know, he might get, his wallet will, you know, 100% ex- extend it. It'll become a lot fatter after this fight. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to know. I, I don't want to, I don't even want to imagine what could happen. Uh, To Logan Paul, but we'll move on and and go back to
1: Canelo. Can anyone beat him now? No, this is this is the this is what I'm saying, and I I say it every fight, mate. He's unbeatable. He is um, literally. If if it wasn't for Floyd, he would be undefeated, and I think he would retire like Floyd and and retire undefeated. So, um, I feel like the only chance that he has at losing is if he goes back up to light heavyweight. You know, we we saw. I feel like yeah, the only uh, way that Canelo, the only chance Canelo has at losing now is if he moves back up uh, to 175, back up to light heavyweight, where Kovalev, um, where he fought Kovalev, obviously won the world title. um, But that's where he gave some problems, you know, a harsh jab. And Canelo still found the way to win, still produced magic, you know, is is a brilliant knockout. But um, I think going up there with the heavier, harder hitters who have you know, good fundamentals behind them. Somebody like Arda Baterbiev that we mentioned earlier with uh, Josh Bratsy, you know, the unified title holder. Um, he's, although he's 36 as well, but he will, um, he would give Canelo problems. And I think he is the only guy that I can, I can imagine in boxing right now to actually beat him, to beat Canelo.
0: And for Billy Joe, I mean, what's next with the Englishman? He's lost that fight and he no longer has uh, that unbeaten record. What's next for him?
1: He's well. I I think, as I said, he gave a great account of himself in that fight. So he he shows that, and that he was a uh, world title holder before it, and he shows that's his level. You know, he, that's where he deserves to be up there, fighting the best of the best at 168 pounds, because it, you know, you know, that's what he did, and and of course he lost. But um and any other fighter, I think, with the with the, his style and with his ability, I think he's beaten most of those guys at the top weight. So. Um, If I see him fighting anyone else other than the top guys, I'll be disappointed from now because that was kind of what his career was struggling with a little bit before the Canelo fight. But now I think it's given uh, given him and uh, his stock great attention. So he should only be fighting the best for me.
0: Uh, Finally, to round off the podcast, to conclude our boxing section, I know you're a massive Josh Taylor fan, Max. He fights Jose Ramirez on Saturday night. They will fight uh, for all of the super lightweight belts. Scotland's Taylor currently holds the WBA and IBF belts. America's Ramirez is the current WBC and WBO, Victor. How do you see it playing out? Uh, Both fighters unbeaten, of course, as well.
1: This is a career-defining fight for the pair of them. So they, they both of them have to be on their best. But Ramirez in his last fight did not look convincing, where, on the other hand, Josh Taylor did. Um... So I can, I can only see it playing out into Josh Taylor's hands, to be honest. Like to make a prediction and, and to say what winner there will be. Maybe it's a bit biased because he's uh, he's Scottish, you know, he's 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 British and uh and we're supporting our, our local lad. But I, I think that he, he's the best for it, especially when you look at resumes as well. I feel like he's got the best resume, so and and for the decisions for the victories that he's got, you know, he's he's done the fight to win, you know. So um I, it's it's not gonna be easy it's gonna be, it is a 50 50 down the middle fight it truly is but um i feel like Taylor's gonna walk away with that decision uh but you know uh, definitely watch it guys you like fully. it's an undisputed title fight that another uh brit you know scott i i try and i wanna I say when i call them british i i wanna don't wanna like to as disassociate and ignore like he's Scottish as well but yeah a, a Scottish and, and British guy can take take a bring another title back to the UK and that's huge so uh, everyone watch it because he's I feel like he truly will do it
0: you heard it from Max go watch that fight on Saturday night uh, that's about it from the middlemen Chelsea play Leicester again on Tuesday night uh, Liverpool have Burnley at Turf Moor on Wednesday so that should be a cracker maybe Alisson uh, scores two in two games who knows anything's possible uh, in football that's the magic of it uh, but yeah thanks for listening guys best of luck to Barnsley as well in the playoffs tonight and uh, if you are a football fan then you can go technically and see your team I, I think you've got to have a lot of points to. Uh, you have to have a season ticket for about 20 years but you might get you might get that chance so if you do get down to football then uh, enjoy it thanks for listening and if you want to listen back to interviews with the likes of Liam Williams uh, uh and co then go listen back
1: yeah guys we uh well this is normally a, a bit more of a rare, rare version that we don't have a guest on today Um we normally do so stay tuned for them guys and as we said the fixtures are coming up thick and fast and uh we'll be reporting and, and coming over the details i'm sure of all, all of those fixtures next week so stay tuned for that and uh, we'll see you then